And as promised, uh, episode number 77 of the Curveball Podcast here, Michaela and John Barrera. All right, John, go ahead and introduce today's guest. This is the first time that I've met her. She's super awesome. She is really yeah. cool. Yeah, go ahead Today, and we have Texas business advisor, Katie Milton Jordan. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, an, it's an honor to be here, and um, this is... I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We always talk about, we always talk to the business owners, yeah. not those who advise the business owners. Mm. I bet also, I bet there is all kinds of advice that you could give businesses, you know, in, in all, uh, in, in all aspects, if they're just starting off, if they've been around for a while, if they're doing great, if they're not doing great. Uh, I mean, what, what are you focused on? What's your main thing that you do, Katie? Well, the main thing that I do is I help people buy and sell businesses. Uh, one of the taglines that I'm, I'm playing around with is um, scale to sell. Uh, okay. So I help business owners scale their business in order to sell it for top dollar to the perfect buyer on their own terms. And um, it, it's interesting because it's a profession that not very many people are aware of. It's a service that not many people know exists. Um, and for example, I didn't know it existed until I was introduced to Clint Fiore in 2018. And Clint Fiore, that guy is incredible. I, I follow him on social media. Yeah. I've known Clint for about 10 years now. Yeah, he, he's awesome. So, okay, so that's how you kind of learned about this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal guy. And so I, I was working in um, coaching and consulting with business owners and um, met him. And he explained to me the work that he did. And there was just so much overlap between the work that I was doing with my business owner clients that it made sense to, you know, join forces. And so now I specialize in helping people buy and sell businesses. But a lot of times, um, like I said, people people don't know that this service exists. And there's actually a professional that can help you transact your small business. You know, so probably a crude example would be like, you know, when you want to buy a car, you work with someone that helps you buy or sell a car. When you want to buy or sell a house, you work with a professional that helps you buy or sell a house. When you want to buy or sell your business, there are professionals uh, like myself and Clint Fiore and the team at Texas Business Buyers that can help small business owners transact their business, like I said, for top dollar to the perfect buyer confidentially. How long? So it has to be quite a long process because you you help the business in a sense, build equity and mm-hmm. then, and then they sell. How long does the process usually take? Exactly. I recommend that people start what's called exit planning three to five years before they want Whoa, to transact the business. And then once they do actually list their business for sale, industry averages are somewhere around six to 18 months. Uh, so, so it is a very long sale. Uh, but definitely there, there are a lot of small business owners that I cross paths with who think, um, Exit planning is something that I do at the end of my business career. And we, we say, no, no, you, exit planning is something where you begin with the end in mind. It's mm. something that you need to start from the first day that you open your doors. You need to start thinking about what's my vision, where am I taking this business, and how is it going to end? That's kind of like setting your GPS from the beginning. Yes. You, you know exactly where you're going and what you need to do to get there, you know. Exactly, exactly. And so there's there's certain things that can happen when you're building the foundation of your business that you can build upon that will make it easier for you to exit when you want to or when the timing is right. Mm. So beginning with the end in mind. And, mm-hmm. and that, that goes with everything. If you don't plan, you fail. 
Yeah, your your well, I mean, your focus is what do you focus on if you don't have anything to focus on? Exactly, you're lost. True, true. So when you get these business owners that reach out to you, do they usually are they usually you know pretty savvy of what the end goals in mind, or do you have to kind of help them with that? How how does that work? Yeah, there's well, you know, there are some business owners who um, are real savvy, uh, and they you know come to us with a perfectly packaged business. Uh, that is, they're usually in the minority. Uh, we typically we typically turn away about eighty percent of the small business owners that come to us looking for help. Uh, and when I say Why? turn away, when I say turn away, I don't mean turn away. I mean their business isn't ready to be transacted. Mm. And so we have to go through a bit of a consulting or repackaging process with them to make sure that they they have a business that's ready to go to market. And that's why I encourage business owners to start this process, you know, three to five years before they think that they're ready to make a move. And that you know that extra timing is going to give them more options when they're ready to exit because we always want to have more choices than fewer choices nobody likes to have their back against the wall right mm. right yeah absolutely yeah as many choices as possible I, I i looked at buying a radio station about six years ago oh cool i was, I was looking at buying a radio station and uh i could not get the uh, and, and i guess the bookkeeping and the PLs and, and and making sure that all your compliance is straight Mm-hmm. And that you have everything straight. I mean, that's that's extremely important to keep straight. And I guess that's part of having an exit plan is to always make sure that all that stuff is straight. Exactly. And I have um, I brought a little, you know, value for the listeners, you know, yes. a couple tips for business owners who are listening to the show that they might keep in mind if they're looking towards that as an end game for their exit planning. And like you said, Michaela, the the books are a very important point. And that's probably the biggest piece of advice that I give small business owners. And the thing that I repeat most frequently is that when you're doing your books, don't hide cash. Mm. Don't hide cash and make sure that your books are clean and professionally done. Right. So that's tip number one and tip number two. And, And the reason why we say don't hide cash is because when you take a look at a small business, um, a, a business buyer, a business investor, when they come to us and they say, okay, Katie, I'm looking to make an investment in a business. Mm. And it, I say, okay, hey, look at this beautiful business right here that we just packaged and brought to market. And they, the first two questions that the business investors always ask us are, why are they selling and how much is it going to pay me? Okay, so if you, get, if you put yourself in the head of like a business investor, right, that seems pretty... Pretty logical. Yeah, you know? it does. Yeah. So so the, we advise the business owner, we're like, don't hide cash and make sure that your books are clean. And the reason why is because you need to be able to show those books to a business investor and say, this is why I'm asking you to pay top dollar for my company. And here's the proof that this company is a solid company. It's a healthy company. It's going to pay you top dollar just like it's paid me top dollar. And that's why you don't hide cash. There are tons of people who think that they can you know, save a buck or, you know, whatnot. I mean, I'm not a CPA. There's my disclaimer. Talk to your CPA about that kind of stuff. There are are tons of legal ways. So when it goes, uh, so, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of business owners are, they're thinking tax deductions. Mm -hmm. They're like, what, what, what what are the most tax deductions I can get so I can pay the least amount of taxes at the end of the year? And, Mm -hmm. and uh, how, you know, my expenses, how can I make my expenses to where I don't have such a tax burden at the end of the year, but that it sounds like what you're saying is that can end up hurting you in the long run. Depreciate. Well, 
Not not necessarily. I mean, depreciation, that's the next level subject. We might have to do that in like a 201 class or something like that. But um, but no, like real business expenses need to be included in your business. So don't, you know, just make sure that you can find them. Make sure that you can show a new owner that, okay, last year we had this hailstorm and we had to invest a whole bunch of money in repairing this roof. And it was a one-time expense. You know, and you can see on my profit and loss statement, here's the line that went for roof repairs. Mm. Right. Or yeah. or if they um, let's say that they buy an expensive piece of uh, of equipment, a new printer or something like that. It's a one time expense. We had to pay X amount of money for this printer. You can see the new printer here that we purchased in 2019 and you can find it easily in your books and show it to the business buyer. So. I'm not saying don't make those investments because you do in order to you you need to make those investments in order to run a healthy company. Yeah. And in order to grow. Right. Yeah. But you need to make sure that it's easy to find those expenses and it's logical because when when people are reviewing your financials, you know, if they look like a hot mess and, you know, you've got a million dollars going to hotel rooms and, you know, you own a landscaping company. Well, maybe that's not a great example, but you own something that's like not it doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Why would you have those expenses with the landscaping company? Well, unless, unless you're working like out of town or something. Right. But I mean, if you're a local landscaping company, why would you have? Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. And so so it just needs to make sense. Yeah. We have one, we had one of our friends on, Mr. Denny Foster with Hill Country Lighting. I was Country about to Lighting. bring that up. Yeah. I almost brought that up. He was one of our first guests. We have to have Denny back on. Yeah. So what Denny does is right in your um, trade, he, he buys businesses, builds mm-hmm. them up and sells them. Uh-huh. And you know, it's so, so exciting to have you on because I've never seen this aspect of business before. And I see so many similarities between what you do and what we do with with houses and property. Mm-hmm. I like when you when you mentioned a business as a product mm-hmm. a second ago, it, it gave me a whole different outlook as these are assets that people need to to grow add equity and then sell just like a house. Yep. Just like a house. It could be an asset or liability depending on what you do with it. And it's just exciting to hear your point of view. Really? You know, I want to add something uh, to what you just said. And it is. So small businesses are an asset class, you know, just, just like real estate or stocks or bonds or mutual funds. Right. Mm -hmm. They're just not an asset class that people know very much about, you know, or the people that, you know, I hang out with, (laughs) But so where I'm going with this is that small businesses, in my opinion, are a beautiful asset class. They're an amazing thing to invest in. And I'll use our current economy as an example. Um, Right now, everybody's seen real estate prices like being super inflated. Mm. Right. You know, houses are selling for like way more than they should, you know, and it just doesn't make 10, 50, sometimes $100,000 more or even more than that. Exactly. It just doesn't make money sense. You know, like even some commercial properties, I've been looking at some commercial properties recently. And because the real estate market is so inflated, these commercial owners who own commercial properties are putting up their prices saying, oh, it's just got so much potential. Mm. Well, a business investor is different because we look at the cash flow. We're like, okay, you're, excuse me, you're asking so much money for this thing, but now I'm going to go to the bank and get a note to buy it. And there's not cash flow to support this bank note. So it doesn't make mathematical sense, right? So so you can have that property that, I mean, you're like, oh, the location's great. Everything is great. And it just sits there because it's not producing. 
Exactly. But so what's beautiful about small businesses as an asset class, especially in this type of economy right now, is that that doesn't happen. When business, when businesses are priced accurately, you can look at, um, wow, sorry, I'm a rude guest. No, Excuse okay. Me. <laughs> so you can look at their financials and you can look at the corresponding real estate property and you can actually buy a business that owns real estate that's not inflated. Oh. Right? So here's a hack. Oh. So, so you buy the business that owns the real estate. The real estate isn't pumped up. Correct. You just blew my mind. Yes. So, and that was something that kind of blew my mind in my most recent transaction. Um, I I recently transacted a liquor store, right? And it was a liquor store that owned the real estate and it was a profitable liquor store, right? So the business makes a profit, right? Because that's the intangible part of it. Right. And then you have the real estate, that is, that's the other part of the business. There's two parts, you know, you have the tangible part and the intangible part and you, you put them together and they have a very, um, uh, dynamic relationship with one another. But that's one way that you can still purchase real estate today and not have it be overinflated. So could a business owner that just bought a business that has a property, take out an equity line of credit on that property to use towards the business? I don't see why not. Almost like a HELOC, like a home equity line of credit, but you take out that. So you say you buy a business that has a property and you're on it for a year and it builds like $30,000 of equity. Mm-hmm. And then could you take out an equity line of credit out on that property and use it for your business because it's all in the same entity, it's all in the same loan? I've, I mean, I'm not a banker, so I can't speak specifically to that, but I would say that, yeah, I don't see any reason why you couldn't. I mean, what what we typically see business owners do is that they'll hold their business in one LLC and they'll hold the real estate in another one. And that has a whole bunch of advantages as well, right? You know? Yes. Okay. I, I'm learning here. I, this is, I am too. This is great. It is. It really is. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. I'm like getting so much value. So we started this podcast out as the Kerrville Small Business Network. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know, get everybody on that is a small business and give them some spotlight it'll give us some spotlight too but little did we know how much we would learn in the process oh i believe it every guest that we have on and and it doesn't matter what kind of business it is i mean we learn so much at least twice a week doing this podcast it is incredible yeah and the trends just like you that come in here and just completely school us like seriously (laughs) well that happens with my with my clients too whenever i meet a business owner it's you know it's really cool for me because i get to learn a whole bunch about that one niche or that one business or that one industry you know like the liquor store that i just transacted for example you know i i didn't know a lot about liquor stores or that industry but by doing that transaction the business owner taught me a lot of really interesting things we hear it's a headache a liquor store you remember hill country distillers Oh well, she, all the having a distillery can be a oh distillery yeah, yeah it can be a headache yeah yeah because all the loops and 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 having to bottle certain ways if you have a certain label on um, mm-hmm. you know if you if you label something as what was it um, was it Everclear or not moonshine or not mm-hmm. I mean Just, there's a lot of lot of ways that 
a lot of standards that you had to follow. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that yeah. that's when you're manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's where it gets into a lot of detail that you need to keep track of. But a liquor store, I believe, is a little bit more simple. Yeah, yeah. You're just selling product. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've talked about one and two. Mm -hmm. uh, what's tip number three that you? Ooh, have? tip number three. This is one of my personal favorites actually. So tip number three, uh, two small business owners who are, you know, thinking towards exiting so that they can get top dollar for their company is that it's important that they have manuals and checklists. Okay. So if your company can run without you, it's worth more money, right? Because who doesn't, you know, people talk all the time about, Oh, this is a turnkey rental. Right? Who doesn't want a turnkey business? Right, right. Mm. That can run run without them. Yeah, right? or you don't have to be active. Exactly. And so yeah. when you can show a business buyer, a business investor, like, okay, here is, you know, here's here's the guide to my radio station. You know, it shows you my hiring processes. It shows you my sales processes. It shows you, you know, how I come up with content for the shows. It, it shows them everything and it's written down. So a new owner can literally step into your seat open the manuals, whatever page they need to open it to. And it tells them, it says, do it this way. That's what I'm trying to set Standard up in my life. Standard operating procedures. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. If yeah. something happens to yeah. me, I want my girls to be able to continue to, I want a system to work without me. Like through real estate rentals, mm -hmm. through rentals. Mm -hmm. And it all, it all starts out with a mission statement and core values as well to get that foundation, to get that footing, to be able to, to, to do those standard operating procedures like you're talking about, the checklist and manuals. Mm -hmm. So important in life. Exactly, exactly. I'm in the process of, um, I, I'm reading a book called uh, Traction by Gina Wickman. Uh, it's a fantastic book. It talks about the entrepreneur operating system, EOS. And um, this book really gives a very in-depth approach for somebody who wants to uh, run their business like a well-oiled machine. Um, and it give, there's a great chapter uh, dedicated to, you know, documenting these processes and what you need to recognize in inside your company and how you can set it up. So it gives you a really great track to run on, pun intended, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, the, the tip is to make sure that you have manuals and checklists. Um, there's there's tons of small businesses that, you know, small business owners are in a tough spot because, They'll start out with an idea and all of a sudden it just blows up and they feel like they never have time to like catch their breath or get caught up. Right. They're just running to the next sale and they're just putting out fires as fast as they can. So being a small business owner, I have a lot of respect for small business owners because it's just not uh, not an easy road to, to go yeah, it's down. It's not an eight to five, 40 hour a week job. It is a 24 seven mm. on, on yeah. job. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard it said you, you know, a small business owner, you, you work 80 hours for yourself to avoid working 40 for someone else. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I would have it but, that and, way. And not to not to uh, discount people working for others. Exactly. But, exactly. But there, there are rewards that come with that, too. You know, there, there is. Mm -hmm. But so so these business owners, they're usually overwhelmed, overworked, you know, just just running from sale to sale to, you know, do do whatever they need to do to, you know, keep the payroll paid, keep the lights on, keep, you know, keep the iceberg moving in the right direction. Um, and so these manuals and checklists is something that's really easy to fall through the cracks or get pushed to the back burner. There, there, uh, in, in my experience, in almost every situation that I've seen, they, they usually do end up getting put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're, they're the things that uh, I'll do that when I have time. And then there's never time. And if you, and, and basically what people are doing is they're putting the, uh, the cart in front of the horse 
by doing that. And if they actually took the time to put the horse in front of the cart, the mm. horse could pull the cart. Mm. Well, right. You know? and, and, and and small business owners, you know, in their defense, a lot nobody's ever explained to them, like, why this should be their priority. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a startup and, you know, it's just yourself and you've only, you know, had your doors open for seven days, like, it's probably not a top priority for you to worry about your, your you know, manuals and checklists you know get a little experience under your belt you know figure out you know what your customers want from you and how mm-hmm. you're going to pivot your product and stuff like that but if you've been in business for a while and you have established you know some systems it's very important to document it um you know people in life we we never know what's going to happen to us you know right right you know we there are so many husband and wife couples that are in business together and something will happen to one of the spouses and the next thing you know they're calling us being like hey you know, I, I got to do something with my business mm. because my wife needs this or my husband needs this or something else. And business owners, please don't put yourself in that spot. You know, like get, you know, get this stuff before you need it so that when you do, you have choices. With these manuals and checklists also, consistency is so important when it comes to quality to make sure that you have a consistent product and a consistent mm-hmm. brand. And what the checklists and manuals do is they, they enable your business to be able to do that. Because if you have, let's say you have five different salespeople and all five salespeople are doing completely different things and your client goes from one salesperson to the next, for some reason, it it shows a lack of consistency and it really does hurt your brand Mm. and your quality. Your product's not the same depending on who, Mm -hmm. who you're going through for that product. So. Well, and Michaela, that's actually a perfect segue to number four, um, which the next point is to track customer satisfaction. Awesome. So, you know, tracking yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people have heard of something called a net promoter score. And if you haven't heard from the net, haven't heard of it, you've probably participated in it. You know, when they send you the email or the follow up phone call that says on a scale of one to 10, mm-hmm. how would you rate our services today? You know, oh, I love those calls. So uh, that's a very <laughs> simple, very, very simple scoring system that almost every single business owner can use in, in some way. They can modify it for whatever they're they're providing. But getting that net promoter score from their customers customers is another amazing way to get top dollar for your business. Mm. Because when you can go to a business investor and say, Hey, I've been tracking my customer satisfaction scores for the last three years. Oh, wow. And I have never scored lower than an eight. You know, we we have a database of 500 customers or whatever. And you know, 90% of our customers rate us at eight eight or above. Yeah. That's huge. Right. I mean, think of how that, you know, what kind of impression that makes to a business buyer. So watching these businesses grow and, and this career that you have and, and, and these systems that you see, have you applied that to your life and has your life changed for the better because of your career? Yeah, I would say yes, definitely. Um, interesting question. Um, I have to laugh a little. Uh, and, and the reason why is um, we... I guess I I put my money where my mouth is. And to give you an example of that is that um, my husband and I, a year ago this May, invested in a sand plant in Mason, Texas. Um, And the sand plant, before we bought it, was in operation for 10 years. Um, It used to be uh, the biggest employer in the county um, with over 60 employees. And um, they closed their doors in 2019. And so we came in and bought it uh, May of 2021 which was, you know, a, a great, great time to, 
to buy real estate in a fraction more <laughs> mining for you, you know? So I'm scared to death. And my husband's like, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this. I'm like, you are so nuts. I'm like, are, are, is our marriage going to survive this? I have no idea. Right. <laughs> but so anyways, we we're now running this steam plant. Um, it's, it's been just over a year. Um, we've had many of the former employees come back, which was amazing. They yeah, just showed that does up. Help, yeah. They Especially just showed with, up there. with number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, yeah. hey, do, do you need some help? We're like, oh, yeah, we totally need some help. And they, they've been amazing. But so now we have 11 employees out there. And I'm in the process of doing all of these things that I tell small business owners to do. Um, creating these manuals and checklists, you know, getting this in place. Because our goal is eventually to flip flip this business. You know, so if you have any listeners interested in a sand plant, call me. Hey, if you're looking for a sand <laughs> plant. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's crazy is that, you know, some people just coach and you're actually doing what you're, you're practicing, what you're preaching. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're in both positions. You're a coach and you're a student or you're a teacher and a student. Mm-hmm. And as a student, is it, is it difficult doing all of these things that you're teaching? It is difficult and it gives me, I mean, it humbles me, of course, mm-hmm. and um, it gives me a better perspective of what you know is going through the business owner's mind when I'm telling them create these checklists, you know, because I know, you know, how hard it is to make that a priority and make the time to do that. And as a leader to sit down and think about, okay, what, what is this SOP and why is this SOP and how's, how's this one employee going to respond to this and how am I going to handle that? You know, because yeah, there's so yeah. many different layers that go into the leadership. I mean, it's real easy for somebody to say, like, you know, don't hide cash. You know, when my CPA sends me an email and says, hey, your tax liability this year is this. And I write her back and say, how are we going to mitigate that? You yeah, know, like, yeah. I know I know what that's what that's like, you know, and, and feeling the pressure between those two things, you know. So it definitely humbles me and helps me understand, you know, where business owners are coming from, because I'm in that same same spot. I bet it makes you better at your job. I was just going to say, I think that it helps me help them, you know, because I, I, I can be in their head. I'm, I mean, I can get into their head in that way and I can say, hey, here's a couple things that you might try to, to get past this obstacle or get through this, you know. How has owning the sand plant helped you personally with with uh, business advisors company? Mm. Mm, say more about that. What do you mean? So, so I know, actually, I got that question backwards. How, how has Texas, uh, and Texas business advisors, how has that helped you with your sand plant? Oh, great question. I got you. Yeah, no, I, I love. Because you, and the reason what I'm going for here is you always learn more when you teach. Yeah, I, I love that question, and, and and the reason why is because the last several years I have been studying what what makes a company transact, what makes a company valuable, what makes a com- you know how can a company be sold, right? And so I've been hyper focused on what are those metrics that a business investor comes and looks at, right? Because we all want a, a, a business buyer to come and be like, oh, this is a beautiful company. What a beautiful building. And your employees have friendly faces mm-hmm. and it looks like a beautiful product. And I mean, yeah, that that does that is important. But you do get investors that come in. They're like, hey, I don't care about anything else until you show me your books. Mm. You know, so yeah. so it's I've, I've been taught about 
how to transact a company. And so now I'm creating the CM plan, for example, is like a case study, right? I'm creating it based on that. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay, now I know what investors look at. And no now, pressure, Katie. Well, well, right. I'm like, let's hope this works out. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I'm doing, we're doing this in real time. This is like a real life case study. So I'm, you know, putting my money where my mouth is and you know, we, we're going for broke. So yeah. uh, that's that I'm excited for y'all. <laughs> um, I wanted to give some inspiration to these because most of our listeners are business owners cool. here in Kerrville. And what is your greatest success story that you've seen from your position? What is like the most encouraging story for, for our listeners? Can I, like, Maybe a, a business category? coming from the bottom uh, and, and, and now they're here. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, yeah. or, or maybe, maybe just a business that, you know, they, they didn't have mm. as much confidence in themselves and then they turned it around the underdog. I, well, you want to know what? I feel like all small business owners are an underdog, you know? I mean, they, they keep showing up mm. every single day, you know, it, it's, it's, I have so much respect for small business owners. I'm a fourth generation small business owner. And so I, I know the blood, sweat, and tears that business owners put into their company and their dream and their their vision of, you know, having a better life for themselves and their family, you know? And I'm 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 here for it. I fully support that. I would say, and I agree with you, Katie, on that. I mean, every, if you successfully own a small business, that is a Cinderella story in its own. Mm-hmm. Seriously, every single time, because it is so tough to make it with mm-hmm. a small business. You know, so, all right. Another question that we have is, oh, inspiration towards people. Somebody that's just getting started in business. Uh, maybe they have worked a 40 hour a week job uh, for the last 10 years. And they're like, you know what? I, I think I want to do something different. You know, my uncle somewhere has, has this company and he's a small business owner. I think I might want to be a small business owner too. What kind of uh, advice would you give them? Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I have some, um, two different pieces of advice. Um, the first one, I'll start with the first one just because it's more, um, I don't know, it's more scintillating, right? You know, and then I'll, then I'll back into my response. So, um, my, my advice for somebody who wants to in a small business, you know, they, they, they've been a nine to fiver and, um, you know, they got some money saved up. They're ready to do something else. Uh, I would say don't, do a startup, <laughs> okay. which, which is interesting, but let me follow that up. Let me follow that up. Okay. It is more profitable to buy an existing company that is profitable and your odds of success are flipped, right? Like we all know the statistics of like startups, right? Yeah. Like a 90% yeah. failure rate. That's yeah. That's that means that 10% of startups actually make it. Right, exactly. But when you when you buy an established profitable company, you flip those statistics. You have a ninety percent success rate. That is so. You are those are fighting words right there. I tell you, yeah, yeah, so true. You know what? Yeah, I am. I'm happy you said that Mm -hmm. because it is scary. Mm -hmm. It is hard. You know, when you have your family looking at you, what are you doing? Why are you? Why are you leaving this job to start this? And and I've never heard anybody say, don't do it. Buy a business instead. 
Yes. So what do you recommend? Somebody just start saving up for a down payment? Is it like a mortgage? I mean... Yeah. Okay. So, and that's also really exciting. So let me, this let me is give a you just like, <clears throat> let, me get, yeah. let me give you one caveat there. Like if, if you have somebody who's never been like a, a, a you know, a, a leader in that type of capacity, they do need some training wheels, you know, having a, you know, a startup or getting involved with an MLM or, you know, look at me, all my unpopular advice, get involved with an MLM. Don't do a startup. But so hey. getting some experience you know, so because you do learn from failure, right? Like, yeah. you, you, you go do. go yeah. out there and like fail, go fail, Katie, fail forward. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh join an MLM gosh. and don't do a startup. <laughs> You're pumping me up, like seriously. So you need some you need some experience before you before you do that thing. So get a side hustle, you know, while you're yeah. still doing your nine to five, so you can like get some of the concepts and you can kind of strengthen some of those muscles that you haven't been using as an employee, right? But then, yes. Save up, save up some money. A lot of people have money saved up in their 401k or they'll have equity in their house. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a couple interesting things that I'll share with you is number one, um, the SBA will give you a loan, right? Mm-hmm. You can get an, a, an SBA loan to buy a business and it's similar to a home loan where you put like 10 to 20% down. You know, so like if you're looking at um, a million dollar company, you know, 10 to 20% down. Mm. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's not inaccessible. It's not impossible, you know, or if you're looking at half a million dollar company over a quarter of a million dollar company, right? You know, you just work the math backwards, figure out what yeah, you have in 25, savings. 25, 50, and you know, yeah. Call yeah. up your parents, call up your cousins, call up your uncle. Crowdfund <laughs> like, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. For your down payment. But then you run it through the SBA and the SBA will, um, will finance your loan. Um, pay pay the owner. But here's the cool thing about an SBA loan when you buy a business that's different from like a house or a car or whatever is that it's not based on your credit score. It's not based on your individual credit score. It's based on what the company earns. Okay, so this brings us back to tip one and two that, that you were giving us a little while ago. Um, let's say that you do have a business and, you know, we're talking about having all your ducks in a row, your books are perfect, everything is good to go. You go to sell that business and somebody says, you know what? I want to buy your business, but I'm going to go get an SBA loan. Uh-huh. How how do those two tie in together? Mm. Well, perfectly. And I mean, they, they, they work together. And that's the reason that we advise business owners. We're like, we can't overinflate your business because the bank is going to look at your financials and the banker is going to say, this is what your company is worth. Yeah. They're going to, we, we pre-qualify businesses through the SBA. So I have, excuse me, one business that's on the market right now that is actually pre-qualified. So um, the SBA will underwrite it. But um, we get them pre-qualified and the SBA will say, you know, they they double check our math. They're like, yeah, this is how much somebody can, you know, get to buy this business. And it's another way, it's another way that we, we, we give, lend credibility to the owners. We show the owners that we're we're credible. We're like, listen, the banker's going to do this. And, and here's the other thing, because people always want top dollar for their business. So they'll yeah, say like, yeah. no, I, I, it's worth more than that. Yeah. It's like we'll me say, running a CMA versus an appraiser coming in and, you know. I don't know what a CMA is. Uh, like a comparative market analysis. <laughs> oh, saying, okay, hey, okay. this is what your property's roundabout worth. And they're like, no, it's not. It's worth two million over that. There's like, that emotional part. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so we, we actually, the, the SBA holds everybody accountable to the deal. And so, yeah, it's important that the business owner has accurate financials because when they send them into the SBA, that's what they're going to, do, you know, and if the business owner's like, Hey, but what about all that other cash? The, the SBA is like, sorry, 
We're yeah, not right, going to consider right. that. And my grandson, uh, when I when I poured the the concrete for the entrance to this place, my grandson wrote his initials in the concrete. That doesn't. That's, <laughs> that's not another give fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> well, you know, and exactly, put yourself in the shoes of like the business oh investor. The business investor is like, wow. I mean, that's going to make me want to close. But it doesn't make yeah. me want to pay top dollar for your company. Mm. Like, I love that your company has history and that it's got a beautiful brand story. Like sentimental value. Yeah, yeah but I, I'm not giving you any extra yeah. money for your grandson's, you know, yeah. finger right. hands. Right. I bet right. there's a lot of emotions in your industry, too. There are. There are. Like, and and that's where I like to say that I'm I'm really grateful for my coaching background. Because the, the, the paperwork part of the transaction is really the easy part. Crossing the T's and dotting the I's and filling out the applications and doing all that kind of stuff is is not hard. The, the, the challenging part is dealing with the people. You have to know those people dynamics and, you know, human relations. It's crazy because you're in, you're in just a whole different world. But can you see the like the similarities between what she does and what we do and, and what a what a salesman does and what it, mm-hmm. it's people relationships problem solving problem solving yeah pain, exactly. it's pain solving. yes it is it is yeah and you got to communicate you got to be a good communicator if you can't communicate you're not going to be a salesman you're not going to be successful in 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 um in, in, in what we do mm-hmm. you know? exactly it's just crazy because you're in a whole different world but i see so many similarities i, I do it's just it, you you being on today really pumped me up. Oh, How cool. about you, Michaela? Cool. Absolutely, one hundred percent. We're awesome. gonna have to have you back soon. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we are awesome. in about That'd almost forty minutes on this podcast. So, uh, but so, thank you so much, Katie. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, Katie Milton Jordan today on the Curville Podcast, and uh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. And what you do is amazing. Thank you. And if anybody out there, if if you want to follow up or have any questions about anything she talked about, or if you're thinking about selling your business mm. or creating a business to sell in the future, which is what you should do when you create a business. Exactly. Uh, and I learned that today from, from Katie. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're in any of those categories, reach out to Katie and she'll she'll be glad to help you. Yes, so please do. So how can people get a hold of you, Katie? Um, people can um, send me an email, uh, Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at Katie Milton Jordan. That's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, M-I-L-T-O-N-J-O-R-D-A-N.com. Send me an email or you can uh, call or text me at 830-370-3714. All right, 830-370-1784. Correct. All right, mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. yeah. Only Michaela, three what times. about you? Where's your plug? You're selling houses now. Yeah, I'm a licensed realtor with Curvo Real Estate Company. So Get some. Yeah, CurvoRealEstateCompany.com. Right. So if you're uh, interested in... in uh, yeah. I'd love to help you. I, I yeah. mean, if you're looking... To buy or sell to a house. I wasn't going to plug myself here 77 today, episodes, yeah. and she hasn't plugged herself one time. Well, Excellent. It's, it, it's Congratulations. Not, you know? Yeah, I know. You just put... I'm excited. You I just put you on blast. Street, John. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, now, John, go ahead and plug yourself. John Brewer, Tinsley Realty Group, EXP Realty, Kerrville, Texas. Excellent. Wow. I'm with some pros today. I'm in good company. So if you're looking to uh, buy or sell a business, get a hold of Katie. If you're looking to buy or sell a house, get a hold of John or yours truly here. So, all right, uh, this is on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's on YouTube, Facebook. It's on Anchor. 
several other podcasting platforms like Spotify, and it's also at curvopodcast.com. We'll be back yes. Tuesday of we'll next be, week. We'll be back Because I'm going out of town for a couple yeah, days next week. Yeah. We'll be back Tuesday of the That's next right. week with our uh, with our next guest. Yeah, I think we're going to start a TikTok, too. Why not? We should start a TikTok. We should do clips on the TikTok. Yeah. yeah, we'll do a TikTok, <laughs> y'all. Daggum. Get us a TikTok out there. <laughs> You know, all right, we got to close. We got to end this. After sitting here for five hours drinking coffee, I probably need to take that out, honestly. All right, now, everybody. Uh, Catherine Dover is going to be our next guest on episode 78. Yes. So, yes. yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be epic. She's uh, She has humbling bloom. Yeah. And it's going to be great. So, Congratulations on Top 40, by the way. Hey, oh, thank yeah. you. That's yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And very nice to meet you, Katie. Thank you so much Such for coming Such a pleasure for being on the show.